Hello, fellow friends, family degenerates, and welcome to another edition of Caged Wisdom MMA. My name is Josh, and I am your co-host, along with Buck Schlurf at MMA Nerd. Buck, give a quick hello. A quick hello. There you go. Hey, uh, man, if you're not excited about UFC 285 like we are, and if you're not familiar and you're listening to this show, let me just bring you up to speed. John Jones is fighting for the first time in two and a half years. It is going to be, it's one of the better cards top to bottom that we've seen this year. seems like there's a lot of cards that have been stacked up early on uh, in these first couple months. Usually they're, they're one every three to four weeks. It seems like it's almost like one every two weeks right now. But yeah, got a lot going on. Uh, hot topic of the day, Darren Till just released from the UFC after his fight with Drickus Duplessis, who's going to be fighting this weekend against Derek Brunson. Any thoughts on that, Buck? You think that was warranted? Uh, you know, it seems strange that it happened so late, but something's got to change with Darren. I mean, and that's been the case for a while. His striking has not developed. His grappling has not developed. Strangely, just, isn't it? He just needs more tools. It it it, it really is strange. With Kamzat, he must be. The, he's such a killer, change. such a killer in the gym. It's got to be like a, you know, being a killer in the gym, not translating. You know, he can't get away from his A game Dude, in the he cage. Was, he looked pretty damn good for about three or four years. Yeah, he he looked pretty good. He looked uh, real good. Well, he looked great when he was, you know, beating up Cowboy, who's a lightweight, and he should have always been a, a middleweight at least. Yeah, who else did he beat, though? There, you, there was more than he that. Wonder Boy, but that was yeah. pretty touch and go. Uh, that yeah. was, like, kind of gifted a decision. I mean, he's... He's talented. Uh, he looked really good against Rob Whitaker, but I think that's more of like a Styles matchup than like a wow. He's bound for the next title shot. He did not look good in his last fight, though. Sure did not. And, and you know what? I, I put him out there. Hey, by the way, before we go any further, we went four zero and one last week. If you or last UFC two eighty four, if you listen to the pod, I didn't put that up on Instagram. I should have. I'll brag about it later on. So we're we're back on we're back on track right now. So that's got to feel pretty good, right? Does it feel pretty good? Feels to you? pretty good to me. Feels pretty good to me too. Should have predicted that tie, huh? Yep. Uh, I still think that your guy won. Jimmy Crute. Jimmy, Crute. I think he did all right. I think he, I think he won. I'm not sure why that one point got that to a tie. It seemed like it was off. Anyway, I'll give you credit for that one. All right. So UFC two eight five first fight. We're going to be talking. We're going to be breaking down the entire main card, going and you know giving our, our predictions, our thoughts, how we see the fight going down. But the first one is going to be an interesting one. It is Ben Askren versus Jamie Pickett. Just kidding. Bo Nickel versus Jamie Pickett. <laughs> <laughs> new Askren. Yeah, the new Askren. Uh, we've got Matush Gamrot versus Jalen Turner. Going to be a great fight. Jeff Neal versus my, my probably my favorite fight of the card versus Shavkat Rachmanov. Then we've got Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso. And John Bones Jones versus Cyril Gaon. So let's go ahead and kick this off with uh, the Ben Askren. If you don't know who Ben Askren is, then you're not listening to this podcast. But we'll, we'll just start there. Bo Nickel, three-time NCAA champion, amazing grappler, has already been going back and forth with uh, uh, Hamzat Chemaev, saying that he can beat him. His only three professional fights ever. This is your first one in the UFC. He's getting a main card slot and a pay-per-view event. Let's kick us off, bud. I I am really excited about this. I you know I'm really excited for Bo Nichols' career, but the fact of the matter is this fight is a showcase for him. He is this is he was on the contender series twice for some reason his first 52 second submission or whatever wasn't enough, so they sent him out against another guy, got another sub 1 minute submission, something like that. Now they're finally putting him in you know, an actual main card slot, good for him, and they gave him Jamie Pickett. Jamie Pickett is like two of six, I think, yep. in his UFC career right now. Um, Not they're putting they're putting him out there to to get wrestled and and to lose pretty decisively and and put some shine on Nickel. Uh, and they're throwing, you know, they're putting Bo at the very beginning of this pay per view because they want him to have like all the energy. That's when all the fans have finally started filing into the arena. They really want to put him on a spotlight. And I think they're right to do so. Um, especially when you consider like what the top like rank of middleweight is at right now. There's not a ton of middleweight wrestlers 
Um, I guess, yeah, I mean, Robert Whitaker's got really, really good wrestling, but that's not his primary skill. Marvin Vittori has used a lot of wrestling, really, not his primary skill. Derek Brunson is the is a primary wrestler, but just can't seem to get over the hump, kind of functions as a gatekeeper for the division. Uh, they interviewed Nickel about uh, the title fight between Adesanya and Pereira, and he gave a pretty thoughtful response, like, I recognize the difference in skill in terms of their striking and my striking, and I recognize what that means, but I saw their grappling, I saw the exchanges, I saw how they defended takedowns, I saw how they initiated takedowns, and they just don't have anything for me. It's mm. kind of like, mm. it's the same sort of thing that Pereira went through, where you know if he fought a good wrestler, he was going to really struggle, but you could give him you know, one or two you know, specific fights and get him all the way up through the middleweight roster. And for Bo Nickel, you could absolutely do the same thing. You could give Bo Nickel a win over Jamie Pickett here. You could give him Drickus Duplessy next uh, or, you know, someone who's like 10th ranked, 8th or ninth ranked. Mm-hmm. And then you could give him, I mean, honestly, you you could put him to Pereira then. And assuming he doesn't get the left hook or a knee up the middle, I think if he, as soon as he gets a hold of Pereira, he just ragdolls him and, and chokes him out in the first round. The, the, di- the yeah. difference in skill is incredible. But, but why would they do that? Why would the UFC do something like that, though? Well, you know, I was just saying that they totally could. Like, they did yeah, it with Pereira because of the existing storyline. Yeah, uh, I don't see the storyline here, though. Yeah, you know, so I think they're, they're going to build them up, up Pereira. slow. Oh, not slow enough because he's on a main card. I mean, and a lot of that's because of his jibber-jabber back and forth with Dana White. And also just because of, you know, his his wrestling credentials, you know, coming out of the NCAA. I think he, I think he was a gold medalist at, at the Worlds, right? I believe I so. so. Uh, you know, one or another North American tournament somewhere, another gold medal in the North American Championships, and then he was three-time NCAA All-American. He medaled every year in the uh, uh, in the tournament, and he's one of the. I mean, Dan Hodge is it Dan Hodge Award? Is that it? Merrill Hodge? Yes, Dan Hodge. Dan I Hodge? Think so. Yeah, won the Dan Hodge Award, and he's one of, literally, you know, one of the, without question one of the best wrestlers to come out of the NCAA in the last ten years, and so. I think that he's got a great, amazing skill set because, you know, one of my rules in, in picking a fight is he who can dictate where the fight takes place has a great opportunity to win. I don't know how his hands really look at this point. We just don't have enough of, a, uh, you know, enough tape to be able to watch that. And, you know, how is he going to do against... I'm not as worried about Pereira as I am against, um, you know, some of the top-tier fighters. That he doesn't are, get by Whitaker. No, he doesn't like Whitaker. Um, who else? Who else? I mean, who else is an, another top guy you think that he would be put against pretty soon? Vittori. Uh, Vittori you know, would be I, tough. It, maybe he gets someone like uh, Cannoneer. Maybe he gets someone like Strickland. Strickland would be interesting. Strickland's um, dangerous for him, though. He, yeah. I think, what is Strickland, like a purple belt or something like that? Yeah, but I mean, you're assuming that a purple belt is—that's not like one to one. Yeah, yeah, we're we're also assuming that. I mean, we're kind of taking strikes out of the case. But anyway, we don't want to go too far into that. It's a really, really cool storyline that was put together by the UFC. This is absolutely a showcase. Bo Nickel is minus fifteen hundred against Jamie Pickett right now. That's fair. That's <laughs> right. That's correct. I mean, even with uh, that, you think so? Even with that little of a. Uh, He's just a, he's a generational talent, so we'll just call it what it is. But we don't know where his ceiling is right now. But I, you know, you gotta, you can't question the stones on that guy, because he had that 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 grappling match with Gordon Ryan too. His first jujitsu match ever was against Gordon Ryan. That's, and I think they they did a wrestling match as well. Um, I don't remember t- how it turned out though. I th- he took Gordon to church uh, in the in the wrestling, and then he got subbed twice in like two two minutes or something like that. Um, you know, once submissions were in play and it became like a no-gi grappling contest. Okay. Uh, but, you know, that's what rule sets are. Yeah. Um, he is like a, like a phenomenal athletic talent. He, uh, he's got one knockout right now um, in, you know, his pro fight. His hands are, the way I describe them is he has very, very good 
punching form because I think because he's an he's an athlete. I mean, he's such a dedicated yeah. learner, and wrestling is so much like technique and weight distribution and and repetition and and this like proprioception. He's got all of that, and anybody with that level of talent can learn to throw very powerful, very clean punches, but he just doesn't have the depth of experience to mm-hmm. to play with distance, to set traps, to to you know, counter with combinations. He just doesn't have the muscle memory yet. Can he blast a very clean, a perfectly acceptable overhand right and then duck into a single leg? You bet he can. Mm-hmm. But but I don't think that's going to get exploited here against Jamie no. Pickett. I don't think Pickett's going to do anything about I it. I literally, yeah. I have my notes here. Jamie Pickett doesn't seem to have that dog in him. <laughs> that, so, I think that's fair. And and Nickel yeah, I don't, definitely does. Yeah. I think Pickett's going to get run through. Sorry. Uh, It'll be a good showcase. Be a first round. I just first wanna, round sub. For, yeah, I agree. I'll say first round sub too. I just think it, it would be good to see Bo Nichols take a couple on the chin to see how he reacts because that's what I feel is going to dictate his next level of success is how much work does he have to do between now and a top 10 guy is how does he take a shot? Can he keep his poise? Can he keep his, his chin tucked? Can he roll with the punch? And then can he, you know, either get back in position or can he do a takedown? You know, we'll see. We'll see. He needs his version of, uh, uh, Hamza Chimaya versus Gilbert Burns. Okay. Okay. I like it. All right, Matush Gamrot versus Jalen Turner. Good fight. Really good fight. What do you think? I'm really excited about this one. I, have, too. I think I mentioned this the last time we talked about Jalen Turner. I consistently underestimate him, mm-hmm. and I sat down and watched a lot of Jalen Turner fights, and he is very, very interesting, and I really like the way he fights, and I like his skills. Um. I, I mean, he's six. He's six three, which is crazy to be at lightweight. Um, it's weird. And right, and and so what I noticed about him is he he is very very long, but he doesn't fight in the traditional long man style, if you know what I mean. Like John Jones fights like a long man. He does those like low. Uh, oblique kicks like those low line side kicks to the knees he pokes with his you know the teep and he like does these like probing jabs from the outside like everything that he can do to strike from the outside and stop you from getting in Jalen Turner what I what I've been noticing is that he doesn't fight like he's as long as he is which is which is really cool because he doesn't give himself this like crutch almost of being long like what I think about is like James Vick or uh, someone like that who relies so much on being able to lean his head back and just get out of the range of punches that mm-hmm. he doesn't learn good defensive head movement and he doesn't learn how to defend himself well in a pocket because he's always been able to just like, you know, Mr. Fantastic stretch his head out of danger. But Jalen Turner fights in the pocket. And what's really cool is... You know when uh, if you or any of the listeners here have have done a boxing class or a, a any martial arts where you're striking, they always tell you to strike through a target rather than to a target. And his length, when paired with his like infighting, really allows him to punch all the way through somebody. If he is in traditional boxing range with somebody and he like steps into a straight jab, that jab goes all the way to the back of their head because he's got so much range that if he punches in close, it just takes you all the way off your base. It's really cool. How's this and, grappling? You know, it's not bad. Um, it's not bad. I'm leading you somewhere. I, yeah, he did. He got <laughs> held down the last time I saw it, if I remember correctly. Um, what did I, who, I think, was it Jamie Malarkey? Yep. Held him down. Um, He's gotten a couple of subs, but I think, you know, being, you know, offensive in your grappling and being defensive, you know, those are not, one is not indicative of the other. Yeah, but I mean, he's going against arguably. A tremendous wrestler. And a tremendous wrestler. Uh, is it Sir- Sirkurian or Sarukian? What is it? How do you say that again? Sarukian. Sarukian. 
fight, the scrambling that was going on, the speed. You know, just amazing. You say he's got the dog in him. Matush Gamrot has got the dog in him. I mean, I there's very few fighters where as a spectator, I get exhausted watching him. And that fight when he fought against Sarukian, uh, even when he fought against Dariush, you know, he 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 was beating Dariush. If I remember correctly, I didn't go back and watch that fight, but if I remember correctly, he was beating Dariush pretty handily the first round. And then he started to fade a little bit with Dariush. Do you remember that fight? I remember uh, him. He like secures takedowns really well. Um, he like gets a reactive double. Yeah. Like his chain it, like, wrestling it, is ridiculous. It's so good. And his chain wrestling is incredible. Yep. He will shoot and reshoot and reshoot. And he doesn't stop until the takedown is completed. Yep. Um, with Dariush, who's got just such an incredible no gi background, he was yep. able to, you know, he, you know, couldn't be held down. Um, so he had to keep shooting over and over again. Um, Do you see that watch being that a fight thing again. with Jalen Such, Turner? I don't think Jalen Turner has the same get-ups. Um, he does. That, I, I agree. Yeah. And, and the thing that I'm really worried about is um, when Turner steps in and, and hits these awesome, like, step-in, like, overhand cross counters, he's always got his head off the side. Um, he is very defensively sound for the strikes, but that big step-in... Mm-hmm. is going to get him double-legged super-duper quick. And I, I think what we're going to see is Turner's going to probe from the outside a little bit, and then he's going to try and initiate this this you know pocket-striking exchange. And Darius is going to get – or sorry, uh, Gamrot's going to get under those arms, onto the hips, hold yeah. him there, and he's not going to get back up. I imagine Jalen Turner's really hard to take down, though, at, at six foot three or six foot two got that yeah. long base so he's not going to probably be able to do it against Cage. so that's going to either get him in a uh, in a trip or he's going to have to do the single leg i don't know how matouche his single leg looks but it'll be interesting i think jalen turner's gonna have to knock him out i don't think he's going to be able to keep matouche off of him for three rounds uh and maintain that distance especially if if what you said is true which i agree with you and jalen turner doesn't fight really long uh, he does a lot of step ins and, you know, he's, he's a really, really, really good fighter, but I see him, you know, when I saw him fence, uh, against Sarukian, I was like, you know, that looks like a championship level fighter to me. He passed the eye test in spades. Jalen Turner's look good, but it's, you know, he surprised me how good he's looked, but I haven't seen anything that would indicate that he's a top five fighter at this point. Would you agree? Disagree? I think he's well on his way. Um, but I would agree that he's not quite top five just yet. I mean, I was surprised that Gamera lost against uh, Dariush, to be honest with you. Dariush is also uh, – Benil Dariush is on his own, like, Charles Oliveira late career resurgence. Um, and it also might take him all the way to the top. Yeah, I. that's that's been an impressive thing to watch. So uh, I didn't mention the odds. Uh, Matush is minus 215. And Jalen Turner is plus one eighty five. How do you how do you see this going? How do you see the who do you think is going to win be the winner? And how do you see it going? I think that Turner is gonna is gonna pepper him early. I think he's gonna establish his distance really well. Um, but I think he's gonna have to keep going backwards mm-hmm. in order to avoid like walking onto that double leg. And I and walking backwards is is just tiring. And I think you have to be perfect every single time um, with a wrestler like Matej Gamrot. And I think it's going to take a shot, maybe a reshot, maybe a third. Um, but Gamrot's going to get him, you know, get a hold of him. Uh, I've watched him like, like from, like from way, like from distance, like dive onto like a low single. And he's totally okay with like jumping into like just grabbing his opponent's ankle because he's comfortable wrestling all the way up from that position. So mm-hmm. he'll start at the ankle, work his way up to the knee, get, you know, secure, uh, you know, the, the grip around the thigh, move up to a you know, body lock around the waist and, you know, trip, hold him down. He yeah. strikes and transitions on the ground really well. Um, that's going to bait some overreactions and some careless and maybe reckless defensive moves from Turner. I think he's going to, 
get him caught on the ground and and end it maybe in the second round or late okay. in the first. Okay. I, I'm going to go a little bit of a different path. I think uh, Matush – I'm saying that right, right, Matush? I think it's Mateusz. Mateusz. Well, you guys get it. We're Westerners. We can make mistakes like that. I think that, that Jalen Turner is going to come out and, and look good as he's establishing – He's going to try, you know, try to establish the distance. And I think it's just going to be a slow erosion over the next three rounds after that 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 first round. Once uh, Gamrock gets him to the ground, he's going to get up. I think he's going to get frustrated. I think he's going to get taken down easier and easier in second and third round. So I think that Gamrock is going to take this via decision in the third round. Because I think Jalen Turner's still game. Uh, I just, he's going to be really relying upon a big strike and I don't see Gamrot getting caught in that big strike. And and I think that if, unless you've been a lifelong grappler like Gamrot has, uh, there's just really no way to train for that cardio that you have to go through defending those takedowns on your back foot like that. All right. Anything you want to add to that? Is that good? I think I'm happy with that. Uh, I do love that Jalen Turner's nickname is the tarantula, uh, just as like an homage to Anderson Silva, the spider. Uh, that wins me points or wins him points for me, but does Makes not sense. necessarily win him a fight. Sorry, does not Jaylen. win him a fight, but that is a cool. That is a cool one. All right, so the next fight at welterweight, we have number seven. I'll I'll just go ahead and list off the ranking. Number seven, Jeff Neal, who's sitting at plus three ninety, versus number nine, Shafkat Rachmanov, one of the most inter- entertaining fighters I've seen come up recently. Uh, sitting at minus 490, some serious odds right there uh, against Jeff Neal. Why don't you kick us off, sir? Um, I looked at this one, and your rules for determining the winner of a fight just kept jumping out at me. And you you say a, a regional style that hasn't been, hasn't been exposed yet, mm-hmm. and lo and behold... Rachmanov is a master of sport and Sambo, mm-hmm. and he can decide where that fight takes place. I I don't think I've seen anyone get out, out from under him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neil Magny couldn't do it, and uh, Cowboy Oliveira couldn't do it. He gets those trips. He gets, you know, catches kicks, whatever he needs to do. I've seen awesome, you know, clinch throws. Uh, trips whatever he needs to get that fight to the ground, and his top control is suffocating. It's really something to see. Mm-hmm. He's, um, yeah, he uh, it's just such a cool striker. I mean, he's flashy in his strikes. He got that um, spinning wheel kick, uh, knockout, or you know, knock or knock the guy down and then pounded him out pretty quick. Um, but I think we talked about um, Kamzat Shemaev. Earlier, I think it's similar where you know we saw uh, Chimaev one punch. Um, oh gosh, GM three Gerald Mearshart, and we all said, "Oh look, he's an incredible striker too." You know, I think both of them, Rachmanov and Chimaev, are athletic strikers. I think they are nat- they're gifted, they're naturally talented athletically, really um, powerful too, very powerful. But again, sort of like Bo Nickel because they are such incredibly talented athletes they can learn it but they're just it's not their primary skill set and i think with a guy like jeff neal who really has improved by leaps and bounds with his striking i think shavkat knows that his you know his best route to success is to get on his hips get him to the cage and just hold him down pound him out you know soften him up get to the choke yeah, I remember watching Shavkat before everyone knew who he was when he was just getting started in the UFC, and I was, you know, in some of these early prelims or uh, UFC fight nights. Sometimes I've got it on in the background while I'm doing things with my kids, and I remember looking up, and I always have a list that sits next to my computer of fighters that I want to focus on that have the it factor and ha- and pass the eye test, and I was like, who the hell is that guy? Um, I think it was his first fight in the UFC, and I was like, that is everything that I look for in a fighter. Unique skill set. Dictate where the fight takes place. Got lightning in his hands. You know, I agree with you. His form's not 
maybe the best, but obviously he's getting better and better. Took out, uh, um, who do you take out? Ah, what's his name? In his first fight, no, was... no, what in the last fight? Uh, Neil Magny. Neil Magny. Sorry, I just, I just huge uh, win. That's a huge really, win. yeah, that's a statement making win. Feather and, and, he, and he did it easy too. But anyway, long story short, he looks like a next level talent. He looks like someone that's going to be competing. I know that there's always been some, already been some jabber back and forth, but between him and and Hamzat. And you're talking about a fight that I want to see down the road as as Shavkat builds his name brand recognition. I mean, you know, I'm I'm kind of in the UFC card world too, it's like sports cards, and Shavkat has been on everyone's radar for you know the last couple of years, and and everyone knows how good he is. That's in the sport or that has watched the sport for a long time. Now he's going against Jeff Neal, who's a veteran. He's he's good. He keeps getting better. I just think the problem is, is that he's going against a talent that looks like he is going to be fighting for the title in the next uh, 12 to 18 months. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know what, though? I And and, and I had kind of written off Jeff Neal as well. Uh, I especially kind of started to discount Neal after the Wonder Boy fight. I think he fought at the end of – I think that was the end of 2021 – I want to say, and he took a long layoff and he came back and fought Vicente Luque and became the first guy to ever knock him out. He looked sensational. Um, and, and I think the things that he did against Luque are going to be a threat here as well. Um, what Neil does that's a little different is, one, he is a southpaw. And he is really, really careful about his footwork and his outside or his lead foot placement. Uh, his coach, he trains at Fortis MMA, uh, and his head coach is Safe Sayud, who is now Brandon Moreno's head coach. And we saw how well that worked out for him. Mm-hmm. So that's huge. But I, I watched that whole Luke fight, and Neil is religious about always keeping outside foot position. When you're in an open stance matchup, meaning one fighter is southpaw and his right hand is forward and his left hand is his power hand and the other fighter is orthodox, switching that left hand is uh, forward and your right hand is your power hand, there is this kind of battle for both of your front feet and you want your front foot to be outside of your opponents because that gives that lines your shoulder up with with their head better and that means that you have a shorter target with your strongest weapon through a defense at an angle that isn't optimal um for for the defender that is so jeff neal knows that matchup understands it really well and really pursues that doggedly and loves his left hand he's got a good right hook too which is also really important but i mean i saw him lead so doing rear hand leads and it doubling up on it too so imagine uh, a cross second cross then the the lead hook um he really does everything in service of setting up that left hand and it is awesome i mean it's a really great weapon um and i like that a lot the open stance does one other thing which is it makes it really hard to get a double leg through that stance because uh, the back leg is so much farther. Um, when you're in a um, a closed stance and and both fighters are in orthodox or both fighters are in southpaw, your lead legs can kind of cross. Um, like you could almost touch knees together um, and they, they fit into each other. But when you're in an open stance, that back leg is so much farther away that you really, really, really have to commit if you're trying to get a double leg. So... That's going to narrow Shavkat's options if he's trying to get this to the ground. And when the options are more narrow, you can defend a lot easier. Um, I, You know, I looked to see, let's say, does Jeff Neal have the best back, you know, grappling background ever? Did he come from wrestling? No, not really. Uh, so I figured, oh, this is going to be great. And then I went through his history, and he beat Bilal Muhammad, who is a lot closer to a title shot than Shavkat Rachmanov is at this mm-hmm. point. Um, I was not suspecting that level of takedown defense, and I was really impressed with what I saw. But I, I you know, I, I just don't know if that's going to be enough. I, I, so I think 
don't discount Jeff Neal. No. But I think go with your instinct. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, Shavkat's going to hold him down. I, I think this is less about, out. you know, uh, disparaging Jeff Neal as it is much just being with enamored with Shavkat for me. Because I'm looking yeah, at absolutely. I'm looking at Jeff Neal's, you know, list of victims. So he fought Luke in one. He fought Ponzinibbio in one. He fought Neil Magny and he lost. But this is a while ago. He fought Thompson, lost. I don't know what happened with him and Perry. Uh, looks like it was no decision. Uh, fought against Nico Price, Bilal Mohammed, and I can tell you without any hesitation, every single fight I I had him as the underdog. I definitely had him as the underdog against uh, against Luke. And I had him as an underdog against Ponzinibbio. Uh, you know, I thought it was going to. And so, you know, I've been chronically second guessing Jeff Neal, and I'm going to do it again. And and I already told you why. <laughs> because and I'm not going to learn a lesson. I'm not going to learn the lesson because I I've been watching Shavkat for a while now, and I just think that he's got uh, everything that he needs to make that run towards the title. I think that I'm actually surprised with how slowly the UFC has been taking his career because this fight was supposed to happen in January and it got, it got moved to now. I'm not exactly sure what happened. I, uh, I haven't followed it either. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard to, I mean, it's hard to look at Rachmanov's record and see 16 and 0, eight wins by submission, eight wins by knockout, never been in a third round. Yeah. Th- I mean, that is compelling. He's never gone to decision. He always gets to finish. It's, it's been exciting every single time. And Neil's going to be game, but I th- I just don't think he's going to be enough. Yeah, and I can also say that, uh, you know, this is not exactly his first foray in a top 10 talent because he had that fight against Magny. So, you know, I don't think there's going to be anything. Uh, I don't think the lights are going to be too bright for him. And I just don't think he's got that, that style to him. I mean, he's been a high-level competitor his whole life. Like a lot of those guys have that are coming out of the – Caucus region, caucuses, caucus region. Anyway, mm-hmm, so I think so. I'm taking Shavkat Rachmanov. I think it's going to be by submission, and I think it's going to be a tough fight. So I'm going to put it as a round three submission for Shavkat. Your thoughts? What What do you think is happening? I I think that's about right. the 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 way I see this possibly turning in Neil's favor is when um, Rachmanov gets like a good solid blow on the feet when he gets that like spinning wheel kick that he hit or when he gets some like significant shot out he closes distance a little bit reckless for me and like he loves to step in with this super powerful knee uh and and you know drill that right into the gut and and then he starts you know working on his takedowns or and what have you and i it's it looks really cool you can tell it's an effective strike but he really does like smell blood and go for the kill. And Neil's a durable guy. And I think it only takes one like overeager charge into the clinch to get met with a huge left hand to really make you think about everything you've been doing this fight. Mm-hmm. And if you if Neil lands one it's significant enough that there's a little bit of hesitation and he's going to use that to land two. And once he lands two, he's going to land three. And that's the way I think I, I see this going in Neil's favor is an overcommitment or a reckless pursuit by Rachmanov who, you know, despite being 16 and 0 is, is still young in his career, uh, at least young at, at top tier talent. Um, and that could be, you know, walking onto a huge left, a counter left from Neil, uh, it might be what what does him dirty in this fight. I don't think it's going to happen, but I okay. would say I would say watch for that while you're watching this fight. I thought you're saying you're taking Jeff Neil for a second. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> like, wow. uh, what I'm saying is, when you know, if Jeff Neil wins, I just want everybody to know that I called it. Oh, okay. We'll go. <laughs> Try we'll to have my remember. cake and eat it too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're taking Shavka. How do you think it's going to go down? Uh, I think he's going to ground and pound. I think it's still going to be yep. – I think it's still going to be in the, the second round. Okay. All right. TKO or submission? Uh, ground and pound TKO. Okay. All right. 
All right, next up, we have a championship fight. So there's two championship fights. This is the, uh, I guess, the co-main event. The less competitive the one. The less competitive. You're telling me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, seems to be happening a lot at the top level. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko, who is the champion, and sitting at minus, minus 610, and she's taking on Alexa Grasso, who is plus 460. Uh, Alexa is number eight coming out of Mexico or no number six coming out of Mexico. Um, yeah, I guess start us off with this. Probably don't need to spend a ton of time on this one. Yeah, I think this one's going to be pretty cut and dry. Um, Valentina is not the world's greatest boxer. Um, and, and, you know, if it's a boxing match, you know, Alexa Grasso might be able to, to put hands on her and, and, and keep her, you know, keep her at distance and then you know engage well in those infights in the clinch she's good at that she's got good strikes folding elbows in the um you know against the cage and the clinch i really liked her clinch work but um yeah you know i that's being a good boxer is not going to get you by valentina she no. is so well-rounded um you know, some of her weapons, uh, Shevchenko's weapons, are probably going to be less effective in this fight than others. Uh, she loves her check left hook uh, to catch, you know. She'll pivot out, throw that left hook, catch oncoming traffic, and, and that's a really solid counter that she has, um, and she lands it pretty reliably. I don't think she's going to get that over on Grasso too many times um, mm -hmm. as a seasoned boxer, but... You know, I Valentina is so strong. She's going to, you know, duck in, get a body lock, do a big trip. You know, they're both going to slam down. They might land in half guard um, or something like that. Uh, Grasso's going to spring up. That's going to be her MO. She's going to try and jump up. Um, she turns her back when she's trying to get up because she knows, like, I'm I'm all right exposing my back for this because I'm not going to engage in an extended grappling sequence. I'm going to turn, I'm going to get on all fours, and I'm going to power up and get out of there. Um, and she's good at it, too. Um, I think her last fight was against, oh, my gosh, Viviani Arujo, I want to say. Maybe not. Um, but she was, you know, popping up every time that fight went to the ground and putting combos back on her. Um but it's just she's she's just gonna get taken down and she's not gonna be strong enough to like or athletic enough to like explode her way out from a bad position with Shevchenko. Shevchenko is very, very good at maintaining positional control. I mean, you saw if she can do it to Jessica Andrade, she can do it to Alexa Grasso. You know, get that mounted crucifix, start throwing those elbows down. I don't think that Grasso's gonna have too much to to do on the too much to do on the ground. Yeah. I'm just looking through some stats. Not stats right now. So if we go back God, uh to two thousand nineteen. Grasso lost to Esparza. She beat Kim, which I don't know who that is. Uh, Barber, she won. Joanna Calder or Joanna Wood or whatever her name is. Uh, I don't know how to say it. is it Arugio, Arugio, Viviana Arugio, Arugio. And then so that that's her body of work. And then we go to Valentina Shevchenko, and uh, a little bit of a different one. Santos, <laughs> who surprised me. Uh, that was good. Murphy, Andraj, Maya, Chikugian, Carmouche. Or Carmerch, whatever it is. I gotta get the names down better. Uh, so on and so forth. So, I mean, she's literally taken out everyone. And one of the things I remember about Shevchenko is every time we go into a fight, or she goes into a fight, we're trying to find that, oh, well, we don't think she's gonna do a good job here. Or, you know, she's gonna wanna stay on the feet. She's not wanna take it to the ground because Murphy's so good on the ground, or BJJ is so slick, she's not gonna go there. Valentina takes that personally. And then she goes out there and finds a way to absolutely dominate these people at their own game. I don't think that Alexa Grasso has seen anything, anything like Valentina Shevchenko. And barring COVID, lupus, or some other disease going into this fight, this is not going to be competitive. And a matter of fact, I'm a little bit surprised that it's even minus 610, considering that the Jeff Neal fight is, uh, you know, he's at plus 390. 
which seems, you know, far-fetched. And then, you know, poor Jamie, who is like at plus, what is he, plus 2,000 or something like that? Oof. Yeah. So out of all the odds that we're looking at and, and all the competitive matchups, I feel like this one is going to be the least competitive. I think Valentina Shevchenko is, uh, uh, you know, she's one of one of the goats of the entire UFC. Definitely uh, the top two, you know, outside of maybe Amanda Nunez, goat of of women's MMA. Alexa Gross is a good talent. Uh, you know, it'd be great to have her as a champion because she's one of the best looking. <laughs> Uh, you know, female fighters on the list, you know, but I can't, uh, we can't take looks into the ring, can we? That's not going to help her there. So Valentino Shevchenko is going to win this fight. It's going to be a one-sided fight. I think it's going to be a round three uh, TKO. You know, we seem that we're, you know, it seems like we've made up our minds and we know, or we're pretty confident in what's going to go down. Based on, you know, the last couple of fights, um, Shevchenko's struggling with, uh, Talia Santos in the that was early true. rounds. I and honestly, I was gonna give Santos. I thought Santos won. one, two, three. Yeah. Um, and then you know Jennifer Maya had success in round four or something like that, or or, or had success in one of the rounds of, of her title fight. Who do you think? Do you have somebody in mind that you think would pose a big threat to Shevchenko? Santos again. It's the only one I can Santos think of. again. I mean, outside of moving up a weight class and fighting Nunez again, because she went three round or she went all five rounds with Nunez, right? She did. Yeah. And is she the first one to do that? I don't to go know. all five rounds with Amanda Nunez? Yeah. In, in the last um, like five or six fights, I think she is. Well, I mean, uh, I guess uh, Juliana Pena yeah. went all five yeah. rounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she did. I, I technically. think after watching, after watching, Aaron Blanchfield mm. uh, choke out. Yeah. Jessica oh, that, no, you're right. That's that's a good one. Blanchfield looks so, good. I, so what good. I think is the the times that Valentina has looked, you know, maybe not like exposed, but the times when opponents have had success against her is when they can match her her physicality and have a, a stronger grappling game than she does. I, I think the woman that beats her will be a bigger, stronger grappler. Mm-hmm. So that makes me think hmm. that makes me think maybe Aaron Blanchfield. I you know, I don't think of Blanchfield as like physically imposing necessarily. Doesn't but, look like it, but man when she walks but, but she certainly uh a threat, like an absolute threat. And the other is a little bit more um a little bit more out there. We just had uh Tatiana Suarez come back after a four year hiatus. Um she finally made it back and she fought at flyweight in her return. She's a she says she wants to return. She was originally a straw weight and wants to fight at one fifteen um, but didn't want to make the cut and like complicate her return fight any more than she needed to so she took the fight at at 125 and fought oh my goodness i can never remember her name a a, a talented a talented flyweight and, and really just wrestled wrestled the shit out of her so you know maybe uh tatiana suarez decides that 125 might be for her and she puts on a couple of pounds and and does the John Jones and and bulks up a little bit and really commits to 125. That might be a threat to Shevchenko. It's a lot of but speculation, though. It, it uh, that's that's Four a that's off, pretty far out there. Yeah, weight class up. I mean, I think current. I think you brought up a really good point with Blanchfield because I think that she's got she's sneaky good, man. Yeah, I, th- sneaky I think. Good. I think the person that dethrones Valentina is going to be a a superior grappler, um, because I don't think she's going to get like pieced up on the feet. She's a Muay Thai like she's good everywhere specialist. I mean, she's a she's I think she's four and zero against Yoani and Jacek, three yeah. in Muay Thai and one in MMA. Do you remember and what they said about that fight? 
She's going to take it Which, down. She's not going to go stand toe to toe at range with uh, Joanna and Jacek. Mm-hmm. And and did, but I, a lot of that I think I contribute to Valentina being bigger and stronger at 125 than Joanna was. So but there still, is going to have to be some she, physicality. She's so good and she's so well rounded that she goes out there and if she, if someone tells her that she needs to go down to the ground because the other person's a better striker. She's going to test mm-hmm. the waters to see if she's a better striker and if she can outpoint them. Or not outpoint them, but if she can, you know, excel at where she's supposed to lose in that area of the fight. I think Alexa Grasso is going to be um, a little bit overwhelmed, just like Lauren Murphy was, you know, that level. Uh, I do think Alexa Grasso is better than Lauren Murphy, but I don't think that she's as good as Valentina Shevchenko. So, yeah. I'm, That's it to us. I agree with that. All right. So we're going to move on to the final fight. If you don't have a pulse, then you're not excited. But if you do have a pulse and you like MMA, what a fight. John Jones, former juggernaut, 205-pound champion for, what, 10 years? Or, no, not really, but like six years. Well, he won. Yeah. 2011, yeah. 2011. I think, is when he won the belt initially. One loss against Matt Hamill, which was out to disqualification due to 12 to 6 elbows. Taking on Cyril Gaon, the number one contender. This is for the heavyweight title bout after the loss of the talent in Francis Nagano. John Jones is now minus 155. That keeps getting stronger and stronger for John Jones, and Cyril Gaon is at plus 135 right now. Go for it. A lot to unpack uh, here. I'm going I I mean I so yes there's so much to unpack and the hardest part um was watching watching tape and and trying to measure as many variables as I possibly could and block out my overwhelming dislike of John Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like I'm just I'm so done with John Jones. Yeah, he's 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 incredible. He's he's what a champion. I mean undeniable talent what a talent i'm just I'm, i don't it there was three years or of just like burr, 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 i'm gonna go to heavyweight burr, 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 burr. Mm-hmm. i think he started talking about that in like 2015 or about something how like that he was with the talent at 205 I, I just like i go i get it you're bored john i'm just done with him i don't like him i get that he's good but i really 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 want cyril to win this fight um and maybe Maybe he can. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm you still know, undecided I hear, on this. I, you know, I'm undecided because as much of a of a history and as much of a resume as John Jones has, he's definitely the unknown factor mm-hmm. here in this fight. How did the layoff affect him? How you know how is how is he going to move now that he's put on a lot of muscle mass? Is that going to affect his cardio? You know, like having a lot of muscle is really going to, you know, soak up that energy. And if you're naturally that big and your body's been used to being that big, you know, that you might have a little bit of a different gas tank. But to put on that muscle, even though we did it gradually, that, that you know, that's just going to – I don't know. I don't know what he's going to be like. I Nobody don't does. know. Uh, yeah. How focused I have is some, he? I have some speculations though. Okay. Based on what I saw before and what I've been seeing in like clips here and there, there has not been a lot of footage of him. And I am, and the footage I have seen, I saw him hit pads recently and he did not look great. Um, well, for one, John Jones has never been a boxer, he's never really been like a combination striker, you know, get in the pocket, work the body, jabs and hooks, all that. He has been he's a he's a distance fighter, like we were saying earlier uh, at the beginning of this episode. And he uses kicks mostly. And he likes to stay on the outside. He frames. He you know, he sticks his hands straight out with his fingers pointed right at your eyes so that you're walking onto his outstretched fingers and he keeps getting away with it. I just don't know if he is I don't know where he's at physically either. He he's starting to get a little older. Yes, he's like 35, but he's got a lot of miles on him. 
and and I was watching him hit those pads, and I watched him like dip and weave out after a combination, and boy, that looked labored. Like his knees after like the years of wrestling, and and just being as tall uh, and as lanky as he is, like I. I I don't know what condition he's going to be in. The most I have to go on is that Dominic Reyes fight, and he didn't wrestle that much. Like, Dominic Reyes was not a wrestler. He was a quote-unquote athlete, like a football athlete. That's That was Dom Reyes' background. And Jones took him down, like, once or twice maybe and did not keep him down. And mm-hmm. and, and so, I you know, I hear all this, like, John Jones is an incredible wrestler. He's just going to dog walk Cyril and hold him down. If Ninganu can can wrestle Cyril, then Jones can do it. Yeah, but I you know, Jones hasn't been wrestling recently. In his last couple of fights, I I just think I think he's moving away from it. And, you know, same thing with like Kamaru Usman who has like transitioned more and more into this striking centric game. Yeah, it's cuz he's working with Trevor Whitman who's just like a genius when it comes to like footwork and striking and and all of those things, but like in interviews, Kamar Usman has said that he doesn't even run. He like he can't run. He doesn't do road work. His knees can't take it anymore. He does all of his cardio on the airdyne because he just had such a like a damaging wrestling career that he just doesn't have any cartilage in his knees anymore. And John Jones, I, I just I just get the same feeling. All of his shots that I saw against Dominic Reyes were I mean, of course he's got great form. It's like riding a bike. You never forget. Like, his form is great, but there wasn't a setup. There wasn't a shot reshot like we were talking about with um, Mateusz Gamrot. What Reyes was able to just dig his underhooks and separate, and, and he popped right back up pretty much every single time. I don't think Jones had any dominant top control time. And Yeah, but I, mean, I, I, I think there's, there's some more storylines that we have to – to go down a little bit and is that mm-hmm. you know how focused was john jones the last three or four years of his career with all the shit that he was doing all the things the drugs the alcohol the arrests the domestic violence uh let's also not forget that when he was blitzing through people he was on peds you know whether you want to believe it or not you know he was definitely on peds he was you know that 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 famous story about him hiding underneath the the the, the cage at the, at Jackson John hiding underneath the yeah, apron of the cage yeah for like six hours until the person would leave. You know he had the the picograms and then you know the the falling out with Dana White and then vacating the belt to come back at heavyweight and then getting arrested for beating up his fiance in front of her her kids. And then, you know, got kicked out of Jackson Winklejohn, went somewhere else. And then now there's all these reports about how dominant he is, but there's no footage of it. And so John Jones really excelled at at two things. His creativity, I guess three things. His creativity, his distance control, and his strength. He was just had this ungodly wiry wiry frame. And so he was able to get in, take especially shorter people down. He had these amazing... Uh, submissions that he was able to put on partially because of his length, uh, his length. And okay. So we, we look at that right now. So he doesn't have a size advantage. He's not going to have a strength advantage. He's not going to have uh, a, speed a speed advantage. And so he's going to be somewhat dependent upon his takedown. And that's the one thing that we don't know where he is. He, he doesn't have a significant weight advantage against Cyril Gon. So he's going up against a big guy uh, that's incredibly strong, that does have good takedown defense. It's got amazing footwork to keep his back off the cage where John Jones does a lot of his best work. And um, I have a lot of doubts at right now about John Jones winning this fight. There's so many unknown variables except for reputation and nostalgia. That's where everything is being based on with John Jones right now. Cyril Gong, we've got a pretty good body of work that's that's recent. You know, he was expected against uh, to win against uh, Francis Nagano. He's beat uh, Dos Santos. He's beat, God, you know, I don't even remember off the top of my head who else he's beat, but he's gone through. Tuivasa, Rosenstrike, Derek Lewis. Okay. Uh yeah. Are like any of those Alexander Volkov? 
Yeah. Um, trying to think. Dontail Maze. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think who the best grappler is. But that that's, that's again, that's what the speculation that John Jones is going to be a dominant grappler at this weight class. And I just don't know if that's true. I just don't know it. And nobody I, does. Yeah. And 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 when I when people say like, well, Cyril Ghana got taken down by Francis Ngannou, I, you know, I'm willing to bet that Cyril Ghana did not practice a ton of takedown defense. No. In in a you know in preparation for that fight, and he will absolutely be be working on his takedown defense ahead of this fight. And and normally I would say, hey man, one fight camp is not enough to compensate you know, or to, to match up against a lifetime of wrestling. But Cyril Ghan is a freak of nature. The man, I think he's like six years into his career at this point. Yeah. And he's like one of the most naturally gifted athletes at heavyweight I've ever seen. The guy moves like he's a welterweight. Does. I mean, he bounces on his toes. He dips in and out. His head movement is tremendous. The like leg the, kicks too. So his leg kicks, I think, are going to be very important. And, and, and the way he, the why, the reason his leg kicks are so successful is because he sets them up so well. Mm-hmm. He gets people to walk into his leg kicks because he's, you know, circling out and he catches them with those like low kicks as they meet him, uh, and that's going to be really important for for all the talk that. You know, Jones gets like all the the smack talk he gets for having little skinny chicken legs, which he does. He, they are durable. If you so, I watched the the Reyes fight recently, and he is very intentional. He gets leg kicked a couple of times in the early rounds, and Reyes stops throwing those kicks. And I was like, I noticed like, oh, he hasn't thrown a kick in a while. So I went back and I watched the early rounds, and John Jones puts a stop to it real quick. He just goes shin on shin. He will do a inside leg kick and he doesn't care if he's going for the you know for the thigh. He's not aiming for like the thigh or anything like that. He is kicking with the strongest part of his shin and he's kicking right into Reyes's shin and he's saying I'm going to I can take this, can you? And Reyes, you know, did that cost benefit because he was having all of his success by being so mobile, by being able to to stay on the outside, to circle around, to you know engage at his pace, um, he chose to preserve his legs and he stopped kicking John Jones. Even though he's got these little skinny legs, he's he's very good at at defending with his leg kicks, and he's very good at at putting his opponents off of kicking at him more. Is he going to be able to do that against Cyril Gaon, who does set his kicks up so clever? I think that's going to be really important. Yeah. Um, I mean, how is, the other how is thing he is, trap, Oh, go on. How is he going to even trap Cyril Gaon? That's the other thing. That's the other thing is is lateral movement. Mm-hmm. I Dom Cruz, uh, this is Dominic Cruz, was commentating the Dominic Reyes fight, and he said over and over and over again, mobility is key. Like uh, Reyes being able to circle out and around – disrupts one of uh john jones's best weapons or one of his like most frequently used weapons which is that like stomp on the front of the knee that like low oblique kick or that like kick to the kick to the knee the kick to the thigh um that he did against like rampage jackson he did against vitor belfort he totally dismantled those dudes with that kick um but that was because they came in on straight lines they would come right at him, and so he knew exactly where that leg was going to be, and he could put his foot right down on it and and really stop them in their tracks with those kicks. But with Dominic Reyes circling out, you can see it in the first round. Jones, you know, tries a couple of those like stamping low line side kicks and whiffs big. Like he he stomps through, doesn't meet the resistance he's expecting to, and kind of falls off balance a little bit. And Dom gets in there and blasts him pretty good. And that happens a couple of times. Um, and so yeah. Cyril's Cyril's going to be able to fight that same way, I think. He's faster than 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 Jones is going to be. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe with yeah, his th- strikes, but... And, and that's what I mean. There's a lot of unknowns. I mean, John Jones' yeah. best run 
you know, the talent that he went was the best at its time. But things have changed. We have the next generation of talent that's moving into the UFC. And this doesn't have the same feel. Remember when GSP took on Michael Bisping? You know, yes. He came back. But when you look at GSP, he's a professional. He takes care of his body. He's never been uprooted in, in drinking and steroids and all that talk. I don't think there's many people that picked Bisping to win that fight. I didn't. I, I picked GSP to win that fight handedly. Now, you might and, and, be different, but yeah. I don't know. But this and Bisping is good. Bisping's a legend. Yeah. But that was a that was a smart choice by GSP. Out of all the the middleweights at that time, that was the right moment to to move up and wait and fight yeah. for the belt. But he came off a, a, a long a long layoff too. John Jones has not been good to his body. He's got notorious addiction issues. He's got a lot of wear and tear. He hasn't fought for two and a half years. There's no footage on him. Cyril Gaon. I, I think Cyril Gaon is going to win this fight. I think so, too. I think I I think so, too. You know, it, but it is. It is. I know what you were saying. It just, it's just reputation and nostalgia. Yep. But, wow, those are powerful things, you know? But I mean, if he if he went through his last couple with uh, Reyes and Santos, if he if he beat them handedly, yeah, that's that's a that's a really good point. But he didn't. He there's no reason he shouldn't he should have gone anywhere close to. I mean, those two. I mean, what have they done since? Reyes is yeah, we talked about that has, last time. Has Nothing. gotten has gotten viciously knocked out in his last three fights, and Tiago Santos has just um, ground out some boring decisions and lost some boring decisions and has really fallen off as yeah. well. Um, if, yeah, if Jones wasn't beating those guys, Cyril Gaon is might be too much to handle. Cyril Gaon is a bad dude, and I just don't see Jones being able to uh, to trap him very well. And I think Cyril Gaon is. I mean, look at the guy. I mean, I mean, he's, he's no like, Michael Chandler, no. friend of the podcast, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's wow. Right. <laughs> yeah, but he. I mean, he's like an Adonis. I mean, look at that guy. I, I'm looking at him on my screen right now. For those. Oh, I don't here. even have to. I can close my eyes and picture him. <laughs> I'm not sure we're going with that. This is a different podcast. But uh, yeah, so I, I think that Siragon is going to tire out John Jones. He's going to defeat a lot of his takedowns. He's going to make him pay coming in. John Jones is not going to look like the same John Jones. I don't know how focused he is right now. And I think that going from 205, especially from 205 to guys all the way up to 265 is a huge, huge jump. We're not talking 155 to 70 where there's a 15-pound uh, Delta, you got to overcome. We're talking about him putting on 25, 30 pounds of muscle and going against people and, you know, top tier talent that walk around at 245, 250 that are going to be competing at that weight for a really long time. So I, I don't think we need to hammer it in. I think we're going to take an underdog here. I think it's going to be Cyril gone. I don't know. I don't think he's going to stop him, but I think he's going to win. I'm very excited. I will be very excited to see what Jones weighs in at. 242. I, they, 242, is that what he said? No, that's what I'm guessing. Okay. Uh, over Price is Right rules, I think he's going to be 238. Oh. Okay, Price is Right rules? I'll say yeah, 242. Closest, I, closest without going over. I, I bet you 240. No, I maybe 240. Nah, 242. I'm going to hold it. 242. 236. Right. Shit. That's a lot of people walk around that and compete at 205. Yeah, well, but without the cut, that's yeah, that's going to be pretty good. But still, there's a reason there's a 205-pound division. It's for, for those sure. people that for walk sure. around at 227 that, that have to make that weight because they don't want to go against someone like Francis Nagano that's 265. That's now 300 pounds, by the way. All right. Oh, I did want to ask, um, as uh, as a guy who's never been 35, how easy is it to put on muscle mass at 35? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So I'm, I would say it's it's easy to maintain 
at 135 or excuse me at, at north of 35 but you're definitely fighting against the clock and you're fighting against your metabolism slowing down especially when you get a little bit north of that uh i don't know i i, I would imagine just from a testosterone standpoint that it'd be very difficult because it's it's you know as you're 30 and on it's, it's starting to lower uh i think there's a lot of calories there i think i don't think it's a good idea don't do it Oof. don't do it all right. John Jones. Well, did so it. one last uh prop here. Uh we both think that Cyril's gonna take it. We have a little we differ at how heavy we think John Jones is gonna be. One last bet. Do you think he's gonna pop afterwards? <laughs> I, I think Usada is so good now. You know, Chael Sonnen said that back in those days when he went against John Jones, he knew that John Jones was on steroids because he was on steroids. He said yeah. he said it was basically an IQ test on on not getting caught, and I think that there's really no way around it, you know, because they're measuring stuff that you were ingesting two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see that happening, and that's why I think that's a real problem for Jones. I, you know, I all the credit in the world to him, but you know, this isn't going to help his reputation, and him going out on a loss, I think, is something that a lot of people are going to want to see. Not me necessarily. Yeah. I, don't hate I think him. if it, I think if it's a loss, it might be his last fight. Too. It will be his last fight for sure, hundred percent. All right. I mean, he's been in and out. We won't go anymore. But that being said, everyone that that stuck with us for this hour, um, really appreciate it. Hope you got a lot out of that. Uh, I don't know what is when is UFC two eighty six. It's it's really close afterwards. I think there's like a week where there's a fight night card Damn. in God, back at the Apex, and then we're right back at for another that ESPN another deal pay-per-view. is getting us a lot of fights. So we'll be back for the the next fight for UFC 286 coming out Tuesday or Wednesday when we get our shit together. Uh, again, hope everyone enjoyed it. Enjoy the fights, and we will see you all in a couple weeks. Go Cyril Gone.